Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome, everybody, back to the Believe in the Jets podcast. I am your host, Andrew Golden of Jets X Factor. And as always, I got my co-host, former Jet running back Lamont Jordan here with me. We are here to review the combine, give our big winners over the last couple of weeks of what was a pretty interesting event. Had some jaw-dropping numbers as well as some surprising ones, but we'll get into that as we get on. Lamont, how you doing after this week? Got a big week going on, free agency starting next week. We're about to hit the uh, hit the ground running with this offseason. Yeah, man, I'm, 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 I'm good. I'm good. Uh, nice chill weekend. You, you can feel the madness of March is in yeah. the air between the, the, between NCAA basketball, then you got the combine and then we have uh, NFL pro days coming up. I mean, you could, ju- you could, you could, you could sense it in the air that, that, that this is that time of year, man. So I'm excited, feeling good. Yeah. Yeah. The spring bloom uh, is going to take place in more ways than one. We'll have the pollen outside and we'll have the energy in the air of all the different sports things going on. The off season's about to kick off. We got free agency starting next week. I'm pretty sure Tuesday is the franchise tag deadline. Um, maybe even earlier than that, if I'm remembering incorrectly. So we're about to, we're about to really see th- how things are going to go. Free agency will let us know uh, draft plans, a little bit of an indication how things go in free agency will always dictate that. But let's get right into this combine. We got some uh, important guys to talk about. First things first, the entire University of Georgia just showed up and decided to take the event over. Uh, I'll go down just off the names off the top of my head. First and foremost, Jordan Davis, who we'll spend some time talking about um, in specific. Uh, after him, you have their safety, Lewis Seen, ran a 4.39 at 6.2 and 200 pounds. I really love him on tape. He's the type of guy that will come down and take your head off. Um, has no fear of throwing his body around, makes plays and coverage too. Um, I like him a lot at the top of the second for the Jets if they don't which I, I don't want them to go safety early just because I think there's some better guys that they could get at some more important positions. Uh, but if they do pass on a safety early, Lewis seen at pick 34, I'm all for it. Sign me up for that. Uh, Trevon Walker, their defensive end, 6'5", 270 pounds, 4'6", 40, 162, 10 yard split. Uh, for people who don't know what a 10 yard split is, that's the first 10 yards of a 40 yard dash. For me, this is the most important piece of data I'm going to get for every prospect on the combine, regardless of position. If I could pick one piece of data for every player, for every position, and not have it uh, split in any sort of way, shape, or form, I want 10-yard split data. Because in terms of football, everybody is starting from a standing start, and everybody is exploding as hard as they can, usually for a short amount of burst. That's all what the 10-yard split is showing. It's about the most easily translatable as you can get. Uh, from a 40-yard dash drill, because very rarely are players running 40 yards. Um, after that, the Georgia linebackers tested really well. Nakobe Dean did really well. Quay Walker had some good numbers. Um, Channing Tindall is another one of their linebackers that I think you had mentioned as a guy that you liked a lot, um, that he had, uh, he had tested really, really well. Um, even James Cook, Dalvin Cook's little brother at running back, showed up, and I'm pretty sure he finished with a 4-4. I think it was a 4-4-4 official 40. It was either 4-4 or high 4-3, but still a good time for him. Um, and last but not least, the guy that I was honestly maybe most surprised, well, let me not, Jordan Davis surprised me most, and we'll finish there. But after Jordan Davis, Zamir White, their running back, who was supposed to be the, the thunder to the lightning duo of him and James Cook, Zamir White ran a 4-4-1 which was significantly faster than I was expecting for him is not what I saw on tape from him. I thought he was a bit of a plotter and that he didn't really have as much burst. So now I got to go back to his film and check that out. Um, 
overall, just the University of Georgia, they won the national championship for a reason because they had a ton of all-star athletes on their team. And it's mm-hmm. showing in this combine. Yeah, and you know what? And and when you talk about the SEC, um, yeah. it, it's iron sharpens iron. Yeah, it's kind of following right along with what Nick Saban has has, has pretty much bought one since he's shown up at Alabama. And that is a dominant defensive front with some stout linebackers and a secondary that can cover the entire field. And I think that that's why they won the national championship. And you saw it again in this, in this combine. I mean, you talked about it when I'm looking at the first three guys that you, that you, that when I look at the first three guys that we've talked about, even before we got on, it was defense, a defensive tackle, a defensive end and a defensive end. We talked about five guys in total, and out of the five guys that we talked about, four of them are University of Georgia. One of them, I'm saying that he's FSU, Jermaine Johnson. Mm -hmm. Uh, But at the end of the day, the fact that all five of these guys played on the – I'm sorry, four of these guys played on the defensive side of the ball at University of Georgia. When you talk about recruiting, when you talk about recruiting – between winning the national championship and having all of your guys do very well at the combine, if you're, if you're the University of Georgia and you're talking about competing with Alabama, this was your year. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, 100%. A guy I didn't even remember until right now was Devontae Wyatt, who's another one of their defensive linemen who's fantastic. And uh, their, their depth is, is really, really astounding. If you look back at just the, who was on their team last year and the amount of NFL talent guys that are going to be on their team, we're forgetting that Zizo Jawari was a second round pick of the giants last year, who was mm-hmm. out of Georgia, who was also on that team. So there's another guy, there's two guys that are going to be NFL defensive ends that were on this team last year. and were barely, you know, barely even going. Um, mm-hmm. It's astounding. The amount of talent on this defense. I want to highlight in on Jordan Davis real quick and just let people know how dominant of a performance this was for Jordan Davis. I mean this, and I'm being serious. This is not hyperbole. Jordan Davis is the most impressive combine I've ever seen in my life. To be a 341-pound man at six foot six, and run a 4.79 official 40 with a sub 1.710 yard split. For reference, a 1.62 10-yard split is a good a good time for defensive ends. I'm pretty sure Jordan Davis hit a 1.64 at 341 pounds his agility in some of his field drills made my jaw drop the the way he was able to change direction and accelerate as we were talking about before we started Lamont to have to go from that much weight and inertia to be standing still and to be able to generate so much force to move that quickly it's astounding his testing was was absolutely amazing he had over 10 foot broad jump at 341 pounds he could move all 341 pounds of his frame, 10 foot four on a broad jump. That's amazing. Now, the question with him, as we were talking about off air, is with Jordan Davis in particular, one of the knocks with him is stamina, quote unquote. And that's what we have to figure out. I'm not saying it isn't, and we're not saying it isn't. We're saying we don't know yet. So when we go to the film, which I'm sure he'll be one of our film reviews in the coming weeks, um, we got to decipher why wasn't he on the field more? Because if you're this generational athlete, um, for those who don't know about relative athletic score as Lamont didn't before we started recording and I gave him the lowdown on this show, uh, make sure you go follow Kent Lee Platt on Twitter and get behind relative athletic scores uh, because it is an incredible metric. Uh, And it bases 
overall athleticism for players relative to their size and relative to their position. Well, if you take the position out of the equation and just look at relative size and athleticism, Jordan Davis is the second most athletic player to enter, enter in the NFL since 2000, behind only Calvin Johnson, the wide receiver. That's an incredible, incredible number. And when yes. you are that caliber of athlete, there is something to that. Those pure generational overall generational athletes, those guys very, very rarely outright fail. At the very least, they're solid. They may not get the technique or everything to put everything all together, but when you are that supreme level of a talent, very rarely does that ever hurt you. So what we got to figure out with this guy, and Lamont, I know you want to talk about this, is why wasn't he on the field more? Because we both think, we all we know he's a dominant run stuffer. That we know for sure. We think he's a pretty good pass rusher when he gets his opportunities and he can collapse the pocket, just get under some dude's pads and walk them back into the quarterback. We think he's got potential to do that. But why wasn't he on the field if he's testing like this amazing athlete? No one expected him to test this well. We expected him to test good for his size, but not like this. Yeah, I think it shows not just the type of athlete that he is, but I think something is to be said about his commitment to prepare for this moment. Agreed. And and regardless of what the film shows, for guys who go to the NFL Combine, you know that this is something that's either going to boost your status or something that's going to drop your status. And I mean, he had a super boost here. And it go, you know, we're going to go back to the question that you asked: Why was he not on the field more? And I'm going to go back to something that Bishop Harris. He was my running backs coach with the Jets. All right, Coach Thurman Thomas, Coach Curtis Martin, Sam Gash. I mean, he's Coach Greats, Hall of Famers. He said this. He said, everybody looks good when you're fresh. But how do you look when fatigue starts to set on you? How do you look when the pain in the game starts to settle in on you? And the thing that, that, that we always talk about where I, it was hard for me to compete against Kurt it was about being dependable being durable and being dependable. So a guy can come out and run a 4-7, that's great. But if after eight plays, his 4-7 drops down to a 5-6, five, 5-7, five, then now we got to talk about that. And that's why I'm really excited to get into his film because a guy like this, and you talk, we talked about it before the show, you know, why was he not on the field on third downs? Third downs are critical downs. Third downs right. is the opportunity to pin your ears back, especially third and long situations. Oh, Absolutely. man, let's be disruptive. Let's go get after the quarterback. So, yes, his combine numbers were great. And I think that this shows, like I said before, we have to take our head off to how well he prepared for this combine because people don't understand that these college kids have not had a break. They have not had a break since they started playing college football. To go from winning the national championship, first of all. Yeah, longer than a regular season for almost everybody else that wasn't in the playoffs. Yes, to 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 play a, a whole college football game, all right? I mean, college football season. To not only play during the season, but to also play in the playoff and then play in the national championship and turn around and, what, less than two months later? Yeah, national championship was right around after New Year's, so you're about two months. Give or take a couple of days, but about two months after being in pure football shape after a whole season of SEC football and two extra games in the college football playoff and an extra game against Alabama to boot. And an extra game against Alabama at that. 
A, when we talk about being durable, to play through that, to be able to be healthy enough to put in the work that you have to put in in order to give these numbers, that alone is impressive. I, I mean, my head goes off to him. I cannot wait to see the film on him. And you're 100% correct. Looking at these numbers, especially at that position, what this tells me, especially with his broad jumping, you talked about that, is, is ball get off. Yeah. His ball get off is savage. Now we just have to evaluate the film. And, and, and here's the thing about it. Here's the thing. Here's the reality in, in this. We may watch the film and we're on as Jermaine Johnson. When, when I watched his film, I saw a guy that whatever his 40 is, he's going to run that in the first quarter. And if he runs what, what a four or five in the first quarter, mm-hmm. he's probably going to run a higher four or five in, <laughs> at the end of the game. God forbid they're losing. It'll turn into a four, three. Yes. And so when I look at Jordan Davis, when I watch this film, if I see a guy that, okay, I see why, why he's not on the field is because he's good for three or four plays. And then he has to come to the sideline for three or four plays. That is something that could be a knock on him. But I will say this, this is where I guess as a GM, as a person who's having to make a decision as far as how high you're going to pick him, this is where you say you kind of you kind of ask yourself, okay, has this person used this used this time to prepare for the for the combine to work on lifestyle things that may have kept him from being on the field as much in college? Because now he's no longer a college athlete. Now, now he's a full full blown professional athlete. So I'm really interested in looking at his film. Um, but as far as this moment, people do not understand. This is a nationally televised job interview. Yep. People, you could talk about all the millions. Oh, he could possibly make this much. And if he doesn't, it does not matter. Yep. The yep. difference between a top three pick and a top 14 pick is significant. And to do Huge. what this, and to do what this what the, the, to do what this man did, what this boy did, all right. Boy, man, beast. He's a grown man. You, you're you're three forty one and six six. You're a man. I don't care how old you are. This grown man did, sir. Thank you very much. you got to realize this. For me, this stage is bigger than the national championship because this is the job interview to prepare for what you've been preparing for your entire life. And he just went out there and knocked it, slam out the park. Take yeah. my hat off to Jordan Davis. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. He deserves all the credit in the world for this performance because it would not have happened without the effort that he put in. You don't, let alone being a generational athlete, which it certainly looks like he is, you don't test that well without preparing to test that well. I don't think running a 40 is natural for a 341 pound nose tackle. I don't think that's something that he was doing every day at practice at Georgia. So this is something that he obviously put in the work and trained for. And like you said, for his body to be in good enough shape after that college football season, where he was in the trenches doing the dirty work the whole season long for him to go through that year, come out healthy, be in good enough shape and have a good enough mental state and everything else to prepare and put his best for best foot forward for this. It really, really speaks to his character. And I think it's a really big boost for him. Like you said, last point I want to end on with Georgia uh, in general and Jordan Davis, they kind of hand in hand go together is another guy that they had that tested through the roof on their defensive line 
that didn't play as much snaps as maybe people would think with how athletic he was. And that's Trevon Walker. Trevon Walker quite literally was almost nearly comparable athletically to Miles Garrett. When you look at height, weight, acceleration, athleticism, Miles Garrett was a little better in the 40, uh, a little bit better in the, in the vertical jump. Um, Trevon Walker was a little better in the 40. Their tens were very similar. Their arm length is very similar. Now, Miles Garrett is the highest graded defensive end I have ever had uh, in mm-hmm. my years of draft scouting. And Trevon Walker is nowhere near him as a prospect. So I'm going to start very clearly by saying that. But this is a guy that they had that came in that was a third down sub rusher that they did a lot of stunts with. That was kind of like the opposite of Jordan Davis where Jordan Davis comes in and he's the early down on the interior nose tackle. And I'm going to come in on this play. And if it gets to third and any third and four or longer, then we're going to bring in Trevon Walker. We're going to slide in our other starting defensive end, uh, Devontae Wyatt, who might be playing five tech on this play. He'll now move into three tech. We'll shift people over and we'll bring in this new defensive line package. I think that has a lot more to do with it than people are giving credit because I think Georgia had a defensive line rotation. Mm-hmm. And I think it is the coaches quite, mm-hmm. quite Frank, is there going to be a stamina issue? Yeah. I'm sure you don't want Jordan Davis in there for 60 plays on defense. Sure. But I think this is a situation where they're going for their defense and how it worked structurally. It looked very different on third down than it did on first and second. And it was a lot more of a, we are going to stop your run game on first and second down and much more of a, we are coming after your quarterback on third down. So Mm -hmm. I think this, the changes in coaching and the personnel required for that might have a little more to do with it than we're getting credit for. I'm really excited to get to the tape and see if that has something to it, because if it's the opposite, then we're going to see why they had to change these guys out. And it was more of a necessity, not out of a preference, but that'll be really interesting to see. Um, how that works out last uh, Georgia guy. I want to mention really quick. Uh, Lewis seen their safety uh, as a guy I really like for the jets. He's about six two, 200 pounds will absolutely knock your lights out as a hitter. Uh, and he pulled a four, three, nine 40, which I thought he was fast on tape. He was really fluid and instinctual, but I didn't realize he was that fast. So now I'm going to have to go see if I can go find some clips of him really opening up and running, but to be that fast with his speed and his hitting ability, uh, being a fast, big hitter is a never a bad thing for a defense. So I'm all on board with him. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I mean, you bring up safeties. Uh, you know, I believe my guy that I like is out of Michigan, uh, Hill. Jackson Hill. Yeah, he ran four three seven, I think. And I think that he had either the fourth or fifth best bench press. Yeah. Um, out of all the safeties, and for me, that's something that 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 is significant. When you're talking about having a safety, especially if somebody like him that I think could possibly be a strong safety, mm-hmm. um. You want to know that he can get up there, jam people, and hold his own. So um, I'm interested in looking at White. I I, I really just can't start. I, I I can't. I'm excited about the film. I yes, remember yeah. what I remember a coach that I played for. We were uh, Skip Pete. We were we were in a meeting one day, and we were just talking about um, actually talking about testing. You know, you had parts in the meetings where hey, you know. We took care of everything. The whole meeting doesn't have to be about football. Sometimes we talk about life and things of that nature. Um, and we just some one day that the conversation was just talking about 40 times. And he he made this point, and it was a great point. He said that you can get all of these nice numbers from testing, <clears throat> but when you turn on a film and you see a guy that ran a 4-3 get caught by a guy that runs a 4-4. I'm going to pay more attention to the guy that runs the four, four because their game speed is different. Yeah. And so all of these numbers are nice, 
But can we turn on the film and see a guy who just ran a 4-2, ran a 4-3 or 4-4? Do we see this guy pulling away or do we see this guy getting caught? So, you know, for our listeners, all of these numbers are great, but there's a difference between preparing for a test and your test is to see how fast you can run. You have a big focus on being able to do that. All right. But when we turn on the game film, can you still run that speed in the game, in the game time situation? And so that's why I'm really excited to watch the film on, on, on all of these guys. Yeah. Yeah. There's a multitude of reasons for that and not to go off on too much of a tangent, but there's a, a big difference between running in a straight line. And that's the only thing you're thinking about and running in a straight line and remembering what route you're supposed to run or being a defensive back and doing it backwards or being a linebacker and having to read your keys in the run game and play action or any of the other things that come with being a football player. The Mm -hmm. actual part of playing the game of football and the technique that goes into it has its own factor. And the guys that can operate and do both at the same time, those are the guys that end up performing really well, because like what you're saying with game speed, uh, there's, it's more than just being fast in pads. It's more mm-hmm. than just being fast on a track and then losing that speed when the pad comes on or or something of uh, vice versa. There's a multitude of different reasons for it. And you have guys in particular uh, for defensive players. There's a, a guy that I really like that I've mentioned on this show, Jalen Petrie at Baylor, the safety, where he didn't run the 40 at the combine. And I think it was because he's nursing a little bit of a leg injury. Um, but he's not going to test as the most amazing guy athletically. But his mm-hmm. instincts allow him to play faster than he looks. And so he's able to make up ground because he takes really good angles. He doesn't Mm -hmm. waste any ground in his pursuit, which allows him to make up speed faster. He's able to diagnose plays faster. He can start moving to where the ball is going before anybody else. It gives him a little bit of a a hype up on speed. So what you're saying is hundred percent true. Lamont. You always got to go back to the tape. You got to use that as the, the end all be all nothing. will ever matter more than what the tape says but every other thing has its place. It's checking back against the tape. So your guy, Dax Hill looked like a good fast guy on tape, looked like decently strong enough to play strong safety comes out, runs a good 40 and has a good bench press to back that up. So these Mm -hmm. are confirming what we've seen on tape. It's when you have numbers that don't match what you see on tape, when you got to go back and that's when you got to do more investigations, like a Mm -hmm. 340 pound nose tackle running (laughs) sub four, eight. (laughs) Hence why we're talking Jordan Davis, um, getting off the university of Georgia. Next guy I want to talk about is a wide receiver and not many of the ones that people were expecting, but a guy that's just been absolutely dominant this entire draft process. And that's Christian Watson from North Dakota state. Christian Watson at six, four, ran sub four, four. I believe he hit four, three, seven. Uh, he had a near 40 inch vertical. Um, he's a little bit in the tall and skinny mold, but he's got enough speed to go with it. And I think he's got some really good fluidity for his size as well. And I was talking about this with my other co-host on the Oklahoma drill. Um, after I was watching his testing, I don't know if you've gotten into many of these receivers a lot, but it's a really interesting group because they're all really good, but none of them are amazing. Mm. And the one guy that's at the top of the class, that's kind of the big name contested catch uh, bigger body receiver is Drake London from USC. Mm-hmm. And I'm not on him. Okay. That's going to be honest. Not for me. Uh, it's just bigger, but he's not the most amazing athlete. He's a good route runner, but not great. And I worry about his overall explosion. And he didn't do any testing or agility drills at the combine because he was worried about his explosion. He's also coming off a broken ankle uh, that he had in October. So mm-hmm. there's a, a handful of reasons for this. But when you're looking at these two guys and I'm comparing them directly, Christian Watson and Drake London, I think I like Christian Watson better. 
I think Christian Watson is going to right now is not being named amongst the top five receivers. And I really think he should be because to be that level of explosive, to be that level of an athlete, he was their gadget guy at North Dakota state too, which when, as I always like to say something that matters for me, how did the coaches that that player was under choose to use him? Now, not every coach is right. Let's be very clear about that. Just because a coach does something doesn't mean they're right. But these guys are around these players more than anybody. These guys know their strengths and weaknesses, hopefully better than anybody. And if they're doing something in a game, that likely means they've done it in practice and that they've worked on it. So it's not a snap decision that's just being made all willy-nilly. So when I see a guy like Christian Watson, who's a 6'4 X receiver, get jet sweeps, that turns my attention a little bit. Mm-hmm. That makes me think North Dakota State, of all the guys they could be handing the ball to on this play, knows mm-hmm. that not only is this dude their best deep threat, he's their best dude, period, with the ball in his hands. That speaks to me a lot about his potential. I like him a lot. I don't know if he's someone the Jets are going to be interested in because he's not the most amazing blocker, and that shouldn't be the deciding factor for the Jets at receiver is their blocking skills. But mm-hmm. I think they want another outside guy to let Elijah Moore kind of be able to be multifaceted and not mm-hmm. have to strictly be the outside receiver. I think they'd like to have him inside every now and again. So I think they want another guy on the outside um, to go along with it. If Christian Watson can hone his blocking, I think he'd be a really good option, but his athletic testing was great. His senior bowl was awesome. His work and drills was really, really good. His ball tracking was good. His hands are good. And his coaches used him in any way they could to get him the ball. I his There's not a lot to dislike quite honestly about his game. Let me ask you this. How does he, because uh, I believe you like the wide receiver from Nevada. I yep, believe Romeo it. Dubs. Yep. How, out of those two, who who do you like best? I think Watson's better. Okay. okay. I think he's the better athlete. I think okay. Dubs is more natural. I think Dubs is the better route runner. Mm-hmm. I think Dubs has stronger hands. Watson might be the tiniest bit faster tiniest bit more explosive in a straight line. I didn't get the chance to see dubs testing numbers, but I know that by GPS tracking, he was like four, three. So I, I know he's got speed too. And his amount of 20 plus catches back that up as well. But when I'm looking at the overall total package, Christian Watson does a lot of things really similar to Romeo dubs while being two inches taller while with a 39 inch vert. Got you. Okay. So it's like, if you're going to, he's not, and that's the thing for me is he's a big receiver who can be quick and get open over the middle. He can be a guy who can, who can get in and out of his breaks. He was tearing dudes up at the senior bowl with his routes, not with his, just his size, not just bodying people up. He was carving dudes up at the senior bowl. I, I really like him a lot. He shot up my rankings. He went from being a guy that I had in the second, late second to third round to someone that's probably going to end up in my top 25 players. Okay. Okay. Yeah, Take a look I like him. him. I gotta yeah. look him. I, I mean, all of these positions we're gonna go through and and watch the film, but I'm always curious to know, you know, the guys that you like. Yeah. Um, you've definitely been doing the whole draft preparation a lot longer than I have. Um, so you would have more information on these guys, and that's why I I mean the the listeners, y'all are gonna keep hearing me say how excited I am about the film. Because when you all get a chance to hear us break down the film while you're watching it, you're getting an opportunity to see what the scouts are looking for, what the scouts yeah. and GMs and coaches and things of that nature. Uh, because sometimes people, they will just look at these times 
And right. they they think that these times is going to say that this person is just going to be this great, just going to be this great football player because they ran these these wonderful times. But then, like you said, you turn on the film, things don't match up. Yeah. Now that's going to bring some hesitancy. Yeah. So I'm I'm really excited, especially the wide receiver, especially the wide receiver position. Um, I, I think the Jets should probably try and get one in free agency. I think um, so too. Depending on who the free agents are. Um, I wouldn't want to waste an early pick on a wide receiver, though. Agreed. I think that I think that there are enough wide receivers in this draft that you can get uh, one agreed. in the later rounds. That you, that there there are too many defensive and offensive linemen that the Jets need, yep. and perhaps a, maybe a linebacker and a secondary player to waste corner. an early pick, corner um, to waste a pick on a wide receiver early, especially, like I said, you can get a wide receiver in later rounds. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I actually, um, uh, been thinking about this a lot lately, uh, not to go off on too much of a quick little tangent, but I think the Jets' strategy is to sign their offense and free agency and through the trade market and to draft their defense. So you're using mm-hmm. your major priority money, money and free agency, go get a starting right guard, go get a starting tight end, hopefully go get a starting receiver. Mm-hmm. If you have to trade for, if they're the rumors of Amari Cooper potentially being released, if you have to throw a, a third round pick to the Cowboys or a conditional pick next year to make sure that you acquire him uh, before he gets to the open market, I wouldn't be against that. I wouldn't want to spend. I would. Really? I would. I, I wouldn't want Amari Cooper. Why I not? Wouldn't. I I think he dropped a lot of passes in Oakland. And, and I think when he went to Dallas, I, I, I put it this way. And I'm not saying Mark Cooper, sorry that he's a scrubbing by any means necessary. But I wouldn't want to waste. I think that he's just going to be too expensive. I would give up a third round pick. And if it costs any more, I'm not touching it. Yeah, but I I think for where we are right now, I would much rather get a guy that Zach Wilson can work with for the next three or four years. True. I can see that. Or a guy that we may have for a year that then you're going to have to spend a whole bunch of money, possibly go through franchise tagging and all that. Right now, I don't think the Jets are in this situation. And again, I just think that there's too much talent in a free agent market. And I think there's too much talent in this draft to to go out there and 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 get another guy. Listen, it's, it's as simple as this. If the Dallas Cowboys don't want you. Then it's because Zeke Elliott's too expensive. And I got you on that. Now, that right there, I, I know that that they're looking at Pollard, and every time they look at Pollard, they say to themselves, like, oh, my god, Why gosh. did we sign Zeke? Yeah. Why, why did we sign Zeke? Pollard was clearly the guy that we – I mean, uh-huh. I but as far as Omari Cooper, um, I just I, – I, I, I know. I can no, understand I, your reasoning. Listen, I, I'm not dis- disagreeing with anything that what you're trying to say, because it would have to be a, a reshuffling of his contract, mm-hmm. because if you were to trade him for his outright contract, his cap hit is really high. And that's why the Cowboys are potentially going to cut him anyway. Although the mm-hmm. Jets would have the money to make up that for one year and then, you know, work from there. It's not a mm-hmm. guarantee. And I can definitely un- understand the argument of just sign a guy like a Christian Kirk who's 26 years old, who has plenty of years ahead of him to grow with Zach Wilson, that you're just going to get signed on a contract for a handful of years. And you're not going to have to worry about it. I can see that for sure. I was mm-hmm. just thinking from the aspect of, from a talent perspective mm-hmm. and in terms of acquisition cost perspective, when I'm comparing those two things in a compare and contrast, 
Mm-hmm. I don't think there's a better talent for acquisition cost at wide receiver than Amari Cooper. I'm with you on that. I'm with you on that. But I will say this. I'm with Amari Cooper if you can somehow move Corey Davis. I think Corey Davis, I think the whole point of why you bring in Amari Cooper is because he's a good match to go and form the trio with Davis and Elijah Moore. I, I, but you know how high I am on Barrios. And, yeah. And, and, and to be but honest. We got to bring him back first. And so if he floats put it this way, put that'll way. be interesting. Have, I have to put it this way. If we have a choice, I bring Barrios back and I let Amari Cooper. I don't worry about Amari Cooper. Because again, I think that you can get, I think that you can get what you would get out of Amari Cooper. I think that you could possibly find something close to it in the draft where you don't have to. I mean, by signing Amari Cooper, you're talking about the next two years. There's a lot of uncertainty with a big name player like that. And I yeah. would much, yeah, I mean, that, that's that's my concern. Now, listen, if we don't have Berrios, let me ask you this. If we don't have Berrios, do we go after Cole Beasley? No. Okay. No. 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 Why? What? Why? I, I'm thinking about some. I'm thinking about if it, I'm assuming that we'll have more lineup on the outside. See, and that's where I, that's what it will be really interesting to see is where do they want to put Elijah Moore? Do they want to keep him more on the outside? In which case, then Barrios becomes a huge priority so that he can be in the slot. Or do they want Elijah Moore to be get some more time in the slot and be more of a combo? And so they need a guy that can do both. And as much as we love Barrios, I don't think we're expecting him to win on the outside all day. Um, but, but, but you know what? Here's, here's where I differ. I think Moore and Barrios are both guys who could win on the outside for these two reasons. A, they have great speed. They could threaten any cornerback deep. And B, they are great route runners. And I think that that's just something that people underestimate when you think about outside wide receivers, you think about the Julios, you think about all of these tall wide receivers. <clears throat> you cannot downplay the importance. And I will give you a perfect example. In 2001, the New York Jets' first pick was Santana Moss. Santana Moss. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah, you know what? Santana on the outside, and we had Wayne Quebec on the inside. So, so I can see see Elijah Moore staying on the outside because you can put him at the Z, and you can still motion him. You can leave Corey Davis as as the X. You'll have Elijah Moore as the Z. Perhaps go out and get Gasecki and free agency to come and play your tight end. Put- That's a no-go for me, dog. Really? Uh, no, sir. Not really? in this okay. offense. Absolutely not. No, the tight ends in this offense do one thing and one thing only, <laughs> and it is block. After that, it is run bootlegs. After Bootlegs leak block. If you aren't blocking, the bootlegs aren't going to work. If you aren't being able to be a factor in the run game, you're not going to be a part of this offense. It is too critical to the run game. It is too part. It is too important part of an equation. And Gasecki does nothing in the running game when it comes to blocking. I know that's that is a huge disconnect between scheme fit and player to me where it's gotcha. nothing about Gasecki's talent. He's a great talent. He's a great receiving mm-hmm. tight end. Would he help Zach Wilson? Absolutely but he's not going to help the Jets run game and the Jets play action pass game that they value a lot is not going to be helped by him whatsoever. The gotcha. guy in free agency is Dalton Schultz. If he gets to yes. free agency, yes. if he gets to free agency and he doesn't get the franchise tag from Dallas, that's the guy. 
That's the okay. guy you go get because he is the the blocking fit first. He's going to help the run game. He's got the the receiving skills on top of that. And most important part, especially for this offense in particular, the reason why these guys have to be able to block is because if they don't, it's a tell for the defense. Mm-hmm. If you have to sub in your blocking tight end, yeah. now the defense knows it's a run play. If you, you have your I'm receiving you. tight end in, now they know it's a pass play. You have to have the guy that can do both because it really helps your defense or it really helps your offense be less predictable. And so that's where I think that Gusecki is not going to be on their radar um, outside of that. Last guy I want to highlight as we got a little off topic in the middle with the Amari Cooper yeah, yeah. and stuff here. What would it be if we don't end with some running back talk? So I want to talk about a guy that we haven't mentioned on this show at all, but he's my number one running back in this draft. And that's Kenneth Walker at Michigan State, who for the guy that was supposed to be the power back, which I always thought he was faster than he got credit for, was officially timed at 4.39, which is significantly better than was expected for him. That's one of those testing numbers that makes your eyes open, where you Mm -hmm. go, whoa, that didn't match what I saw on tape in an unexpectedly good way. So what mm-hmm. happened with that time with that time? Well, we know he didn't lose weight because he he measured in at about 217, which is about what he was listed at to play at at uh, Michigan State beforehand. And this dude, his contact balance is the best in the draft, and it's not even close. His vision is the best in the draft, and it's not even close. His feet in the hole are fantastic. His patience is great. His acceleration is awesome. His ability to run through tackles and stay upright is awesome. His leg drive is great. He can be useful as a receiver. Oh, and he runs four three nine. Mm-hmm. I'm he's a better version of Mark Ingram's me. Mm-hmm. When I look at that build, when I look at that play style, which five nine, two hundred and seventeen pounds, low to the ground. Thick built, compact frame. He's like the same width from shoulders down to hips, just a block of cinder right in the middle or cinder block right in the middle. I'm, I love him. The Jets are not going to take him. He's going to go too high and that's perfectly mm-hmm. fine. But for a dude like you're saying, preparation to be a Heisman Trophy candidate or running back, to be the backbone of Michigan State's offense, to be really the only guy on their offense that mm-hmm. was even worth anything, to go through that whole process, go to the combine put in the work, train for the combine. And when everyone thinks that you're the power back and everyone's all excited to watch Brees Hall, you go out, run him. You go beat him by a hundredth of a second in the 40 hats off to Kenneth Walker uh, cemented everything I needed to see out of him and more. I'm all sold on him as the best running back in this draft. And there's a gap after him, in my opinion. I'm a fan of his. Um, I like Jonathan. Um, I like Jonathan Taylor coming out of Michigan, uh, out of uh, Wisconsin. Yep, love Jonathan um, Taylor. And I liked him because of the style of offense. Because he was a two tight end, smash mouth, downhill type of back. Yep. That could wear and he defense. had the vision for it. And he had the vision for it. Um, out of all of the Big Ten backs that I remember watching, I do remember because Mi- Michigan State really didn't catch my eye a whole lot outside of, <clears throat> excuse me, I just remember for some reason, Michigan State and big games, they always have the game close. Like they're a team that's always going to be there. But I remember every time I watched the game, I do remember thinking to myself that, you know what, they had a really nice running back and quiet is kept. I can't wait to see what he does in the NFL. To hear that he ran that 40, that 40 time, he's a guy that when you look and you talk about the combine, when I'm talking about that job interview, a nationally televised job interview. Once again, he came and he knocked it out the park. You said it yourself. People thought that he was the power. 
but because they thought mm-hmm. that he was in power and now that he's shown that he has the speed that's that that takes you to a whole nother level as a running now back. you got both he, now you got another level he was five nine two seventeen I'll pull up his exact measurements, but I'm pretty sure it was five nine two seventeen. He was listed at like five nine two nineteen at Michigan State, so that's not Either outside way, of yeah. five nine five ten and that two seventeen to two twenty five uh-huh. range. Like put it this way, when I, I came come back, mm-hmm. when I came out, I was on my pro day. Uh, ran a four three nine five ten, actually five ten and three fourths, two hundred and thirty one pounds. That's five nine two eleven is what he was listed. Five at. nine two eleven. That's 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 not bad. That, yeah. That, so that, he lost five pounds bad. to run the four three nine. Mm-hmm. So so when he's playing, he'll be playing at two seventeen, and he'll be mm-hmm. running four four three, and that's perfectly fine with me. And that's perfect. And the fact that when you talk about five nine five ten going up against linebackers and DBs who are six three six four, we're leverage. able to get our shoulders underneath. We have the leverage. And we got the power in our legs to drive forward and pick up those extra yards. And so when we're talking about that nice one-two combination of Carter and Walker, okay, who replaces Coleman? I mean, that guy definitely sounds like a good fit. So I I, I got to take a look at the rest of the running backs because I think if the Jets take a running back, they need a big back. Agreed. I, I think you need somebody that is that that Tevin Coleman type. You need that guy yeah. that is that 220, 225 plus back yeah. that has enough speed to hit the home run that when you get into a four-minute offense, yeah. that, you know, if you're in a game where Carter's been getting the ball and, and you don't want to put all that weight on him, you need that guy with the Jets that, that, that can do that. Hey, listen, when I was with the Jets, Kurt, he was a bonafide starter. Four minute situations, you got to run a clock out. The def- you know, you want to wear on the defense, you want to bring in that extra back. This would be a perfect opportunity. So we have to see if there's any other backs that are similar to him that we could get in later rounds, yeah. or perhaps um a back that doesn't get drafted. And and that's the part of the film that I'm re- that I'm I'm excited to see all of the guys. But I want to see film so that I can catch the guys that nobody's really given an opportunity to. That yeah. sneaky guy that, you know what? There's something about this guy that I see that nobody's talking about, but I think this is going to be a ball. And you have to remember this. I think one-third of every NFL team, if these numbers are still correct, is is full of those guys, those free yep. agent guys, uh, whether those free agent, uh, those rookie free agent yep. guys. The backbone so, of the NFL. It's the backbone of the uh, it's the backbone of the NFL. So um, Kenneth Walker, I like him. I think that whatever team he goes to, they're they're getting themselves a solid run game. Solid yeah, do you remember uh, a few years ago? This is a guy that he also kind of reminds me of, whose career wasn't as amazing overall, but there was like for a period of time he was really good. Do you remember Doug Martin in Tampa? Yes, the muscle that, hamster. The muscle hamster, exactly. Yes. That's I I get Doug Martin vibes from him a little bit, Mm, which for people that don't, for people that don't remember Doug Martin at his peak had two seasons of over 1400 rushing yards and was like 1850 scrimmage yards at his best season. I think like Mm. that's a dang good running back in the NFL. Like he had a couple of really, really good seasons. And Mm. I'm, I get that same sort of vibe from him where it's just, he's going to be a, a yards, a yard eater in the mm-hmm. NFL. I think he's a better receiver than he gets credit for. I just think like you're saying, it's Michigan state's offense, just like Jonathan Taylor. 
where it's not that he can't catch. It's not that it's a deficiency. They just didn't ask him to as much. Um, Mm -hmm. And as for guys that are similar to him further down in the draft, we talked about it last week. It's Tyler Algier at BYU. Mm. who that's my discount Kenneth Walker, um, Mm -hmm. who was actually slightly disappointing with his testing numbers for me. I think his best 40 was four, six flat, which again, isn't awful running backs that are going to be a bigger back running a four, six is not going to be killer because you can still gain some chunk yards and you can make some plays through contact and, and carry your frame. And he's a really smooth runner too. He gets to that four, six really fast and then can maintain that speed while he's changing direction. But he was slightly a little disappointing there, but not to the point where it disregards the tape. And mm-hmm. so this for me is one of those instances where would I have liked to see him hit four or five? Yeah. But mm-hmm. is four, six flat going to kill his grade for me? No, but maybe now he falls to round four. Maybe now he's there for the jets at the top of the fourth round. Maybe mm-hmm. it's a blessing in disguise. So I'm or, yeah. or maybe it's not even a, maybe he would be a perfect example of why college pro days are so huge for guys yeah because he came out there and ran he he ran a 40 that's really not going to turn his now between now and his pro day if he can somehow get into that 4-4 range then now he's 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 right back up to where he He gets into the 4-4 range he's going to be a second round pick in my eyes because at that point then then you're looking at a guy that i think can be a real complete every down back uh, mm-hmm. you're, I think he's he's got more than enough receiving chops. BYU used him as a receiver plenty, and he was great at it. Um, mm-hmm. That we know. He's a smooth runner. He ran the same zone system. He's got the power. He can run through tackles. He's got the effort. Uh, he's got the attitude, all of that. Then right now, I really like him as a part of the whole. Mm-hmm. He's not the guy that I'm sitting there and saying, Tyler Algiers, my 25 carry a game bell cow. But mm-hmm. if Michael Carter's my 20 touch a game guy, Tyler Algiers, my 12 touch a game guy. Mm-hmm. And I think he could be really, really good in that role. Kenneth Walker to me is the 25 touch a game guy. Okay. Kenneth Walker to me is the get him the ball as much as you physically can, because he's going to do everything he can with it um, and go from there. But yeah, the jets are got to have options in their running back room. Uh, another guy, it says, I mentioned from Georgia's Amir white, who was another dude who was mm-hmm. supposed to be the thunder had his own teammate there at the combine with him, who had all the hype of being Dalvin cook's little brother. And he went and outran him too. So mm-hmm. hats off to Zamir White for, for proving people wrong and putting in the effort. And I, I think this is a really good point to end is that for exactly what you're saying, and this is why I love doing this show with you, Amat, because you bring in these points and these, these uh, aspects of this that I wouldn't have seen unless I was a player like you myself that went through the exact process. Hats off to the guys that did better than expected because yeah. they worked for it. Yes. Hats off to the guys that did better than expected that surprised people, the Jordan Davises, the Christian Watsons, the Kenneth Walkers, the guys we're talking about, the mm-hmm. guys we're saying, who was the big winners of the combines, the guys <clears throat> that, that really raised their stock. Well, Chris Olave being running four, three, nine is great. And we ran four, two, six at the first clock, but that's another tangent with the, with the unofficial clock that's been all over this year. But Chris Olave mm-hmm. being a great receiver, being really smooth in drills, running four, 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 three, nine. These are all things we knew out of him. He didn't mm-hmm. do anything to make his stock fall, but he didn't necessarily do anything that's going to jump him incredibly either. A handful mm-hmm. of other guys were like that. But the guys like Jordan Davis, the guys like Christian Watson, the guys like Kenneth Walker, the guys like Trevon Walker, uh, the guys like Lewis Seen, um, the entire University of Georgia pretty much. <laughs> these guys did so well, and they are winners 
because they put in the extra work and the effort and the attention to detail to make sure that they came out and that their testing numbers were as good as possible and did everything right in the meantime after their last snap of playing college football to now showing up in Indy for these testing numbers. Hats off to these guys because this is a dream come true for them. You said it. This is the biggest moment of their lives, the most pressure they've been under at any point in their lives. And not only is it in front of 32 NFL teams and GMs, it's in front of millions of people on TV. Yes. Double pressure. Yes. Let, let alone being worried about looking bad for NFL teams. Now you got to be worried about being memed on Twitter. So yes, exactly. You, all of that going on in your head to have the mental clarity, to have the focus, to have the attention to detail. That's for in terms of translating to the NFL. That's really showing you can handle it. Yeah. That's really showing that you can put your head down and focus, that you can put your attention where it's deserving to be needed and go attack and get things done. So absolutely hats off to these guys. I'm going to go back and adjust for this in my rankings. And when mm -hmm. I give my rising and falling based on how people did in the combine, I'm going to put a little more stock into this than I did before. Cause you really opened my eyes to that point. And I think it's really important. Yes, sir. I mean, listen, you were right. I think that's a great point to end on. Um, and for all of our listeners, please, please be sure to listen out for what we have coming up, because when we talk about this film breakdown, you're going to get an opportunity to see what it is that we're talking about, get an opportunity to see what these coaches who are looking at these guys to possibly draft them or sign as free agents. You're going to get a chance to see to, to get a first. Basically, you're getting a chance to see what coaches go through. When coaches are, are 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 leaving their families and they have to be yep. at the office at 6 a.m. and they don't leave the office until 2, 3 o'clock in the morning, some of them have to sleep in their office. What you're going to see Andrew and I do, this is just going to give you a small taste of yep. what these guys do for hours and hours and hours on a time for months. And, and here's the one thing that people have to understand about NFL coaches. I think they get like two weeks off. Yeah. You know, a month off or something like that. I mean, these coaches are really grinding. The players are preparing, but you also have to think about the coaches and the GMs and the things that they're doing to make sure that they're putting a product out there for you as fans that you'll be happy with. And so I take my hat off to not only the players for getting prepared, but also for the scouts. Not yep. necessarily the coaches who get paid the millions of dollars, but these scouts that have to fly from college to college yeah. for an entire season. Yeah. The guys that have been on the road all year. Yes, it's not guys, even like this yeah. is this isn't even their break. This is that's yes. the crazy thing is it's you look at these guys, these area scouts in particular, where mm -hmm. you're not making a lot of money. First and mm -hmm. first and foremost, let's be very clear about that. That you're basically yes. getting paid like an average elementary school teacher to go be an area scout. Mm -hmm. And you're going all over the country at every different opportunity to different schools, trying to get information and contact with whoever you can at whatever schools you have. So you're away from your family. You're on the road. You don't necessarily know where you're going based on where games are played. And then once that ends and once the season's over and you think that you get to be a point of stability and you get to be back home, well, now it's draft season. So now mm -hmm. you're spending every hour of the day at the facility and you're putting in all that time grinding uh, and it doesn't stop until rookie minicamp's over at mm -hmm. the end of uh, in May and you get the gap between May and training camp starts. That's the break. And even mm -hmm. then for coaches, this is the thing for coaches in particular, the coaches are doing so much more as a whole, because as a player and not to discredit the work that players to do whatsoever, but as mm -hmm. a player, your goals are take care of your body and learn your playbook. Yes. You don't yes. have to come up with new plays as a player. 
Yeah. You don't have to adjust your own playbook as a player. You have, you don't have to create anything new. You don't have mm-hmm. to evaluate free agency. Mm-hmm. You don't have to, to study other teams film. You don't got to watch 350 college players for the draft and go through all the meetings with that. Again, not to discredit any of the work that players do because it's very important and it deserves praise, but it's a different aspect and a different amount of work being a coach when not only are you coaching all the players that are still on your team, you're self-scouting yourself, getting your new plays and your new playbooks ready. You're studying the draft. You're studying free agency. You may have had a coach that left. You may have had a coach get hired by another job. Now you got to hire a new coach. There's all of these things that go into being a head coach or a coach in general. And so the fact that Robert Sala, and for instance, to round back to the Jets, Robert Sala didn't go to the combine this year. Mm -hmm. Robert Sala sent three of his coaches to the combine. He sent their tight ends coach, their DB coach, and their D-line coach, and their scouting staff along with GM Joe Douglas. Those were the Jets that went to the combine. The rest of the Jets coaches – their head coach and their two coordinators and their special teams coordinator have been back all week doing draft build. They've been, they've been studying tape. Then the reason they they did that, as they said, is because they didn't get to watch tape at the senior bowl mm. the week when other teams would send out representatives and have guys back at their headquarters to jump in. They were there coaching. They were mm-hmm. there setting everything up. So they're now back and using these numbers as a reference to go back and watch tape. The amount of work is just a lot. So yeah. stay tuned. That's how we're going to end this. There's a lot of work coming. We're going to take you guys all through it by the April. I promise you guys will have a handle around the, the neck of this draft class, just like we will. <laughs> we'll know everything about it. We'll squeeze all the juice out of that orange. Uh, it's going to be a great time. I cannot wait to get started with Jermaine Johnson. He was another guy that had a great combine, but I wanted to save talking about him for our video when we really get into it. Uh, put it this way. He was one hundredth of a second slower across the first 10 yards than Saquon Barkley at 254 pounds. So Take that as you will. We're going to have the draft on lock for you guys in the near, near future. Until then, thank you guys so much for listening, and we will be back real soon. Lamont, go ahead and give your parting shots for the people. Let's get on out of here. Appreciate you all listening. You can find me on Instagram, LamontJordan underscore 34, or on Twitter at CoachJordan34. And you can follow me at AndrewGolden underscore 17, and make sure you guys stay tuned to the Jets X Factor YouTube channel for our video breakdowns in the very near future. Thank you again so much for listening. We will talk in real soon. Goodbye. Peace. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.